Hello and welcome to GIST Radio. We are a casual radio station where we broadcast when we have something to say. GIST stands for Getting the Shit Together, and we broadcast important interviews and information for artists and creatives of all kinds. For more information on GIST, please log into our website at www.gyst-ink.com, where you will find free resources, software, and publications for artists. You can email us and let us know what you would like to hear about at info at gyst-ink.com. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm your host, Kara Tomei, and what I do for just do it, or rather just do it, uh, that was a good slip because that's obviously what the show is meant to make you think of, just do it. I seek out artists who have a DIY practice, and they hybridize their careers to include some form of innovative programming that engages the public. That could be an ongoing project, an artist collaborative or collective, a nonprofit entity, or uh, an artist-run business, or whatever form it takes. The goal is to give motivated artists a forum to share their experiences and inspire others to do the same. So today, my guests are Robbie Herbst and Aaron Schneider from the Llano del Rio Collective. This artist-led group aims to expand the cultural, social, and political imagination of Los Angeles by producing thematic guides, related programming and events, and the hosting of an ongoing or recurring speakers bureau. Uh, I discovered their group just a few weeks ago when they were publicizing their most recent guide, which is called Utopias of Southern California. It, of course, grabbed my interest, and I uh, nabbed one up and and have this wonderful fold-out guide of these utopias that uh, many, most of which I never knew existed in California, although California is the place for them, I suppose, and we'll get into discussion of that with um, with Robbie and Aaron. And I want to hear directly from them right away about how this group started. So I'm going to welcome Robbie Herbst and Aaron Schneider to the show. Hello, you two. Morning. Hi, Kara. Good morning. Thanks for being here. This is going to be a great chat. I can't wait to hear all about how this got started. And I'm going to start with Robbie because you are the founder and the uh, organizer of the of the collective or the the kind of collective. I, I want to talk about that a little bit too. But as the founder, Robbie, I just want to start with you. And I want to ask because it's all about artists who have a practice who then started something that it, that was you know organized. And so I want to start by just having you give a very brief uh, background on yourself, just who you are. What you know, how you are an artist, and then obviously, how did this idea for this collective come about? <laughs> well, good morning, and thanks for having us. Um, brief. Well, that's that's a tricky one because I, I like to <laughs> talk on. But um, I started, uh, co-founded, I guess, the Yano del Rio Collective um, in around 2010, and it actually just came out of the possibility for publishing uh, the first guide that we put together was kind of the impetus for making a whole group. And the first guide we put together was called The Map for Another L.A. And The Map for Another L.A. came about in 2010 from a class that I was teaching at the time at Otis College of Art. And um, I, through the class, had the opportunity to put together uh, a publication, which was The Map for Another L.A., and that map 
uh, set out to uh, locate collectivist um, and communitarian projects across Los Angeles, and in order to respond to the 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 locations that we were citing within the map, I thought it was best for a bunch of different reasons to uh, incorporate the concept of the Yano del Rio Collective along with that guide. Um, and so that that uh, publication was the immediate impetus for putting together the group. Um, but that's the, great. But, yeah. So it happened. I mean, often these things do happen that way, where it start. It just kind of happens in a way naturally, organically. Like, so you started the the guide, and you thought this first guide, you thought, oh, we really got something here, and this concept could be moved forward, and then and then you move forward with it. I think that's you know often the story of a, of a collective, which is very it's organic, right? Just kind of happens and coalesces and moves forward. And now you have a lot of artists involved. Um, you know what? Before we get go a little bit farther, though, a little bit more about yourself. Uh, where where what is your practice? Yes. What what is your artistic, uh, you know, output? <laughs> <laughs> um, I graduated from art school in '99, but before that, was working uh, as a anarchist media maker, um, primarily pirate radio, um, and before that, in political theater in Minneapolis, and uh, before that, a little bit of political theater in San Francisco. And uh, in 1999, was very involved in the counter-globalization movement and got very involved in setting up alternative media distribution networks through in the independent media movement. And um, in 2001, I, along with my brother, started a publication and an artist collective called the Journal of Aesthetics of Protest. And um, through that, began publishing kind of grassroots-oriented and located and sourced um, uh, art theory and uh, cultural theory, and um, along with that was doing other projects. But uh, in the for the purposes of this interview, the the Journal of Aesthetics and Protest and all the publications and projects that we did uh, were kind of the source uh, immediate location from which the Yano del Rio Collective com- comes out of. That makes that makes a lot of sense. It definitely does. I want to get. Uh, I want to have Aaron have a chance to to come in on on our conversation as well. So I'm just going to ask you, Aaron, also for a brief, if possible. I know it's always hard. A brief uh, background on yourself and kind of how and when you got involved with the collective, and then we're going to go back and talk about some of the guides. But Aaron, tell us about yourself and welcome to the show. Okay, I'm sorry. You know what, Aaron, I didn't push the button in time, and I just said, welcome to the show, and now I need you to start from there. Sure. Hi, thank you for having me and Robbie. Um, So, let's see, I'm from Los Angeles originally, and um, when I came back here, I started doing a lot of sort of research projects about local history, and that ended up becoming sort of art projects, and then I realized that I, in fact, was an artist and could call these things art, and um, so a lot of these these projects that are kind of, I'm kind of interested in how place and uh, site-specific and history get, sort of create culture and vice versa, um, and then for, as for the Yana Del Rio Collective, I actually contacted the Journal of Aesthetics and Protest, I guess about two years ago, because um, I really like their work. 
to see how I could um, help if they needed any and was uh, directed to Robbie, who was working on this great project, uh, which ended up being the uh, uh, the third guide, uh, the Antagonist's Guide to the Assholes of Los Angeles, which um, I ended up con- contributing to and helping do research um, and have been with Yana Del Rio ever since. That's great. I, I want to hear, of course, about uh, that that guide as well briefly. But uh, you know, we could. Why don't we do it this way, Robbie? Because it sounds like the guides fuel the collective. They're they're the they're you know each project then brings in new people and new activities and new programming. And so, um, why don't we just uh, talk a little bit about? You talked about how the first guide was the impetus for the group, and then by the time you got to the second guide, which was called Scores for the City. Let's tell me about how that project came about, and in the process, we'll be able to understand like how the projects start, how the guides move forward, and you know how they actually get produced. So, what was Scores for the City about, Robbie? Well, Scores for the City for me, uh, I really like that guide. It's super weird and it's super enjoyable. Um, I'm not quite sure how that project came about. Um, I think me and uh, the members who were active in putting it together were kind of talking about what we wanted to do next, and we decided to do a guide that was about uh, social choreography, that is about ways that people move in the city together. And so Scores for the City looks at different histories and stories about how people have moved together in differing ways in Los Angeles. Um, And so that guide uh, has kind of two components the front is the graphic side and the back is the uh kind of the more theoretical or uh application side and the front of that guide locates four different historical projects in los angeles that chronicle stories of ways that people have in the past moved differently literally in the city of la um and in the back kind of has proposals and tales uh, kind of deepening our understanding of ways that people can and um, should be moving in different directions in the city. Um, and when you and say, I'm sorry, let me, just, let me, Robbie, let me interrupt you and ask you a little bit about yeah. what you're using the phrase moving through the city. Do you also mean producing things, you know, producing things, or do you actually mean physical movements through the city? Well, what I mean is both, like more like, physical movement and then how movement produces agency, uh, how it produces a certain mindset. So in particular, you know, the front of the map uh, talks about this group of witches who who participated in a coven that used to meet at the La Brea Tar Pits. And, um, and so, you know, this physical act of them moving as, you know, in circle dances at the Tar Pits, produced a kind of agency or or, or subjectivity as a, as a coven of witches practicing at a very loaded site in, in Los Angeles. And then on the back of the guide, uh, essay by uh, Yano Del Rio collective member Sandra De La Losa about uh, Chicano uh, muralism and how, you know, in her estimation and in, and in other people's estimation, the act of creating um, murals uh, in the 70s created consciousness among uh, people of uh, Mexican and Central American heritage to create the identity, an oppositional identity of Chicanismo. So the act of moving together to create murals actually in many ways arguably created, uh, helped to 
create the identity of uh, of a contemporary in the 70s and still to this day Chic- uh, Chicano. Um, so in that way, uh, moving create create in a certain ways as other people creates agency. Yeah, got it. That yeah, that makes that that. Thank you for this, those lines. You draw them very nicely and very articulately because I know your project is all about. Uh, collectivist ideals and social action, how that turns into basically social or creative or radical action, which hopefully influences our social consciousness, right? Um, I wanted to just pause you. You said, just because you said you are Young Adult Rio Collective uh, member. Oh, and you know what? This is such a digression, but I'm going to do it. Because I didn't ask you how the name came about and what Young Adult Rio <laughs> means and how it, how it came about. So there we go. i got to pull that in. Tell me about that. Um, I, I, it comes directly from, uh, the Llano del Rio colony, which was a socialist colony founded by Job Harriman, uh, in, I want to say 1913. And it was a colony that lasted for around four years, um, with socialist ideals. Uh, Harriman had been, uh, ran for mayor and was almost successful in, in being the first socialist mayor of the city, uh, would still be the oh. first if he had won. Maybe <laughs> and, the last. Um, no, hopefully not the last, maybe I should say. Hopefully not the last. <laughs> and um, he uh, wanted to, after losing the race, he wanted to prove that socialism was a viable option and, and set up, uh, along with a large group of people, a colony up in the Antelope Valley, and they had a very successful run for several years, and then uh, decided to leave the Antelope Valley and head to, I believe it was Arkansas, and uh, over there continued the colony for uh, a couple more decades, actually. And interestingly, a lot of the social welfare bills that... um, primarily Social Security, when I say a lot, <laughs> that FDR um, advanced uh, in the 1930s in the Great Depression were signed at the colony in Arkansas. Um, so the Yano del Rio colony, although it had a brief tenure in Los Angeles, really had a national impact when it, you know, in its, in its uh, vibrant history. Absolutely, and now and and what this see, I just discovered you through the one guide, and I'm reading through the Utopias of Southern California guide. It's so fascinating. I mean, there's all these characters, as you're saying, you know, characters, people who had radical ideas but influenced California, and it's an it's this underground history. It's a you know this history of uh, a layer of of our social fabric that I'm I find fascinating. I want to I want to get every single one of your guides because I think that you know you really are doing something great that way and uncovering or, or publicizing a history that not a lot of people probably are very privy to, I, I, I would say. And you know what, let's get Erin um, to talk a little bit more about um, the, the Utopias of Southern California Guide because I understand that you were, uh, this, was, this guy you were very involved in. Yeah, so I, um, I, kind of wanted to explore more about, you know, the namesake of our of our collective, um, Yano Del Rio, and kind of expand it to research more about other utopian colonies and groups. Um, that was sort of sparked by me finding this book called California's Utopian Colonies by Robert B. Hine. Um, and that's specifically about the whole state of California. And he focuses on um, 1850 to 1950, 
and talks about lots of different um, colonies and communities that uh, use the freedom of the state to sort of express their ideals and live outside of society. And I was curious to sort of research what happened after 1950 as well as um, investigate, you know, more for myself, other groups that weren't necessarily included in the guide. Um, so I, you know, talked to Robbie and was like, well, we should maybe make this other guide about, you know, the colonies and communes and intentional communities that have come out of Southern California. Um, so I found that there wasn't actually really any specific source that had aggregated that information per se. There are some some books about it um, in, in various shades, but I, I wanted to sort of do a survey and be sure to include different groups such as, you know, uh, feminist groups or African-American groups, Teutonic groups that um, would, you know, a lot of the, the original groups and ones that went down in history are largely, you know, like a lot of our history founded by white white males. And so we wanted to sort of look into these other alternative histories and it ended up being um, really a lot of different kinds of groups that we decided to include, um, not only in terms of, you know, the original Yano Del Rio Collective, who were socialists, but also, you know, artist groups or um, eco-villages, spiritual communities um, that had been founded in California and some that still exist today. Yeah, I mean, I, I do notice you gave – it's funny that you put California Institute of the Arts on there <laughs> as my alma mater and maybe someone in your group's alma mater. Is that a little nod to uh, some kind of, you know uh, – affiliation to, to the school and what they try to try to do? Yeah, well, um, so we, as as with all the guys, ask um, if any of the, the other YANA members of the collective wanted to contribute some researcher-specific stories to the guide, and um, Janet Sarvant, who um, works at CalArts, and is working on a book about the history of CalArts and its sort of revolutionary utopian founding in terms of arts education and um, so her contribution was this sort of smaller, much smaller version of her book and um, talking about these sort of revolutionary foundings of, of CalArts and um, the ideas that kind of founded the institution. Right. So you say, I, I like, okay, so I, as a member of the group who joined in when, when you know, like halfway through where it, when it was formed, because so, it's been about four years, Talk a little bit about, like, so there's a, over a dozen or more artists involved on your advisory group, and as someone who comes in, and what's the process? You put out the idea to the group, and people volunteer and say, I want to be involved with that one and, and contribute research, and how does that ebb and flow in terms of, um, you know, functioning as a collective? How has it been for you, Erin? Um, for, for me, yeah, um, you know, the specific two ones that I've worked on. Um, the first one, Robbie, was, was already hard at work on, and I was very enthusiastic about the mission um, and and joined that one. And, again, you know, sort of, I Robbie can talk more about this, but reached out to other members of the collective or other people who um, might have some, some knowledge or something to say about that particular area. Um, so for this one as well, we sort of did a, a call and also asked, some contributors who weren't necessarily part of the 
um, sort of advisory council of artists, um, such as uh, Jody Willie, who wrote about the Source Family. She wrote, uh, she directed the Source Family documentary, um, and so you know, sort of people who can contribute special knowledge that maybe we don't have to want to include and kind of bring them into the project. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I want to ask you, Robbie. You say on your uh, on the website it says that that you're not strictly a collective, but you negotiate collectivist ideals with your advisory group. I love that sentence. So, how do you can you articulate what you mean by that, and how do you see? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think uh, I am interested in the confusion that happens uh, between the breakdown of the individual and the collective. And so the the name of the group is the Yano Del Rio Collective, but in many ways it, we've, we function as an organization that is not necessarily uh, our traditional understanding of a true collective. Um, so um, I'm basically directing what's going on, um, but work through the notion that um, the organization itself is really fueled by the community of, of radical-minded artists around Los Angeles. And the project for me developed of, in many ways from this idea of the fact that there's so many people that I know who are working in a very similar trajectory and um, wanting to have a way to acknowledge the the power of working within the community of folks who are all contributing to the development of radical knowledge and radical culture um, and having a way to acknowledge that, that that's a community or a collective of knowledge. And consequently, the Llano Del Rio Collective um, really puts that forward as its central identity as opposed to it's a project of Robbie Herbst or it's a project of Aaron Schneider. No, it's really a project that comes out of the collective knowledge that's being built and has been built by many, many amazing artists within Los Angeles who are really, you know, when you see them as individuals, you see it as a, the work of an individual artist. And then, you know, all of the histories of, of singular artist genius, as opposed to the fact that what I think is most dynamic about art in Southern California is really how it because, you know, up until very recently, it has not been organized, say, in the way that New York City's art world is organized. It's very um, independent. It's very uh, socially organized. Um, that the knowledge that, that that's created, I'm interested in making it and spurring on the illusion of it's collective. And that's a really powerful way to be in the world, but to acknowledge that it's a movement that together we are building another Los Angeles. And I'm just very grateful to the people who have participated and, and have contributed um, really strongly to the publications and, and to all the artists who are contributing their ideas to the consciousness of, of collective knowledge in Los Angeles. And you do that not only through your guides, but actual programming for the public as well. I mean, the guides are available for the public. They're available for free to California residents and uh, by post Los Angeles County residents. 
sorry, Los Angeles County residents, okay. Um, but, you know, they, that's a wonderful way to offer the information to the public. But you also do related programming. And I want to make this a segue into you talking about your residency at the Santa Monica Museum because um, your collective is technically the artists in residence for this, this spring and summer, and you've already had some public programming that looked so interesting. And so talk about how that... Uh, residency came about with Santa Monica Museum, and then talk about some of the things like your your treehouse and your into- utopian inspired music and um, the biodome workshop. I don't know if we can you know go into detail about all of it, but um, t- I'm excited to hear about this residency at the museum. Um, well, Aaron could talk about the music night, which was really really powerful, but the um, the residency came about because a while back, Asuka Hisa, who does public programming out there, uh, informed us that if we ever wanted to do anything with the museum, to let her know. And when with the Utopia's Guide coming out, we had the idea to talk with her about, let's do some programming there. And con- concurrent to that, she was putting together this treehouse in the parking lot with a know-how shop and some of their uh, youth uh, I'm not sure what the name of their specific program is that built the treehouse, but the the fact that the museum was building a treehouse in the parking lot, the concrete parking lot over at the Santa Monica Museum was just so powerful of a symbol that it just seemed natural to do a whole series of events and to really coordinate with them to make it work. So we put together, uh, I believe, yeah, uh, four um, uh, four singular events that composed a residency there with a possibility of more going on, which in the future we hope to do a tour of uh, Southern California utopian uh, communities organized by Aaron from starting at the treehouse there. But to date, um, we've done uh, a Southern California, uh, sorry, a Santa Monica reimagining workshop um, that, mm-hmm. that, it, that included uh, artist uh, and collective member Fritz Haig, kind of reimagining uh, Santa Monica uh, from a utopian ecological humanitarian perspective, which was a mapping and drawing project. And then as well as a Petakucha event, which is a series of short, short, short talks based around an image where we had, or uh, I think around 10, eight to 10 members of the Yano Del Rio Collective share their ideas and thoughts about utopian Southern California. And then uh, the music night, which Aaron should talk about, and then the upcoming event in two weeks, which is going to be a film screening of two uh, two films uh, about utopian communities in Southern California. One is Mady Schutzman's film, Dear Comrade, which talks, uh, which specifically looks at the Ana Del Rio colony and her own experience in uh, communities in Boulder, Colorado, and as well as Jody Willie's film, The Source Movie. Oh, that sounds great. So I urge people to, to go on the Santa Monica website and see all the details about that and yours. Um, but then, okay, I will uh, ask Aaron to talk and describe this wonderful uh, night of utopian-inspired music. Uh, the, uh, the night of utopian music was made up of um, Kelly Marie Martin, who's a Yano WO collective member, and um, folk musician, and she did some Woody Guthrie sing-alongs where we all uh, sat down and sang songs together, um, you know, sort of specifically about resistance and 
and ownership and, you know, this land is your land, these sorts of things. Um, yep. And then my father and I have a band called Fantasies and Crystal, which is uh, based off of my grandfather, Robert R. Forrester's work in um, micro photography of chemicals, which he was doing um, throughout the, from the 60s to the 90s. And they're these really amazing images, and we play um, sort of retuned instruments to those images, um, so specifically outside of the sort of standard tunings that you would find on a piano, say. Um, so that was the sort of, you know, if you will, utopian aspect of, of practicing um, making sounds outside of the standard system of, of notation. Um, and, yeah, it was, a, it was a lovely event. That sounds great, and I, I hope that uh, they continue to be, you know, uh, successful events. I want to just talk a little bit about how people can connect with you. Um, Robbie, you obviously can, I, I well, I can also ask about the future. Do you plan, are you planning another guide, or are you still just kind of, you know, soaking in this one? But do you, what are your plans for either another guide and or the future of the collective? So, yeah, we have uh, two guides that are in the works right now. Uh, one of them is, uh, um, what do you call it? We, we've uh, commissioned Rostin Wu to create a guide, actually, and that's uh, a specific commission from him, and it's a guide to power in Los Angeles. And what he's doing is he's doing uh, specific power analyses with um, uh, non-governmental organizations in the city to, and those, that's a specific process, uh, that was created by organizer Saul Alinsky to, um, when he wrote his famous book on, um, grassroots organizing, uh, in the 1960s. And, uh, what Rawson is doing is he's collecting these power that are specifically created by non-governmental organizations to that, that kind of illustrate the ways that these NGOs see, uh, kind of on a broad sense how power is uh is manipulated or controlled in the city of LA. So, you know, the map will show residents of the county how it is that these uh social change organizations see um the a road map towards uh change happening in the city. Um and that's kind of a and Rawson is this artist who does these uh incredibly strong infographics. Um, and is a recent arrival in LA, and we just wanted to be able to focus on his work. And then after that, we're doing uh, a guide to climate change and how that will specifically affect Southern California. Now, oh, these are really like I'm really excited to keep up with your guides. They you are you are really doing exciting work, and I so I congratulate you. And and I think it's you know it's wonderful that you're doing it in such a creative way and i really hope people link up to you in whatever way they can uh, you do have a website uh, which is uh your an acronym lbrg so yano del rio group lbrg at wordpress.wordpress.com <laughs> sorry it's a mouthful it's on the it's on the um the the internet as well and um people can order these different guides and they can i'm sure you have some kind of mailing list or blog to keep people posted of all of your activities and i hope people do that because it's again it's great work so robbie and aaron we're out of time unfortunately i'm sure we could talk so much more there's so such deep history that you're going into and uh it could be two hours long but unfortunately we have our 
time announcement over, so I'm going to say goodbye to you both, but thank you for being my guests here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. This radio show, Just Do It, is a product of Just Inc. And Just Radio is a resource for all information on the business of art, hybrid careers, and other DIY strategies for a successful career in the arts. There's many different ways to do that, as you've heard from our guest today to, uh, we call it hybridizing one's career, and your full practice uh, can include many different things, including putting your ideas out there in some kind of public way, like like the Yano Del Rio group. So I urge everyone out there to just do it. Thank you for listening, and I hope you look into our archives for other wonderful interviews I've done with motivated artists, and also like our Facebook page, Just Radio to also get notifications about future shows. I'm Carol Tomei, and I'm signing off. Bye-bye. Ready? Okay. We shop paper. Yes, we do. Michael, notebook, pencil, glue. We got crayons every hue. School supplies for your whole crew. Target's got everything you need to ready, set, go back to school. When the day turns into night, my hash browns turn into my new Jack in the Box $3 Munchie mashup. Hash browns and tasty white cheese mashed up with your choice of savory egg and bacon, buffalo chicken and ranch, or jalapenos and bacon, each for just three bucks. Because everything gets more interesting at night. Vampires wake up. <sighs> 9 p.m. already. Mummies unwind. Hot tub night. And the boogeyman gets his boogie on. So come try my late night munchie mashups, each for just three bucks. Only at Jack in the Box. Limited time only at participating restaurants.